I'm a submissive. I want an, a dominant to like take ownership of me so that I feel safe, so that I feel held and treasured. And, and then it dawned on me like, oh no, pumpkin, like you got to claim yourself because you are literally the only one who can. Hello and welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to sex with cannabis. Mm. I am one of your hosts, Sarah, and I am joined by my very smiley co-host, Robin. I think you're excited (laughs) about this topic. How are you, Robin? I am. You know, I have a on and off again relationship with weed. So I'm excited to learn a few more things about it, especially in relationship to sex. And I love Ashley. It's always nice to hang out with Ashley. She's got some great energy. Yeah, we have Ashley Manta, the canisexual on the podcast today. But before we get to that, what is giving you a fuck? Yeah, you know, my vacation has come to an end. And it's so nice to have my boys back. Mm. And I had a lovely vacation, but I really sent it off with a bang with uh, what is going to become an annual tradition. I did it last year and I did it this year is the Leo's after dark party that I threw where it's a nighttime pool party, clothing optional. There is plenty of cannabis going around. And this year, because all the male folk were away during it, uh, we did a cishet male prohibited party. <laughs> <laughs> There's gotta be, we gotta find a shorter way to, weren't we talking about this in season one with Midori about like, how do we find a okay. shorter way of saying this? I think there is a word for it now that's developing. I think I should call it, it was a sapphic clothing optional oh. evening pool yes, party. Yes, that is a good way to describe sapphic, it. Because it is, you know, I was in a discussion about what that term is meaning because it's really, I think it's a Gen Z kind of reclamation of an old kind of word, but sapphic meaning now basically like queer, trans, cis women, basically not the cishet guys. Um, Sorry, sometimes you get left out of things, but it had that feeling that I, I get when I'm at the Korean spa where we can all just kind of relax and be naked with each other, except this time it was at my house and it was at night and it had all my favorite music and all my favorite people. Um, And I wore my mesh black cat suit, Uh which is incredible in and out of the water. And it's just nice to be fabulous and weird and naked and sapphic. sapphic. Just we bathed in the sapphic pool and it was glorious. Yeah, it was nice this summer to finally have a sapphic experience Mm -hmm. because originally for Andrea's birthday, which is at the beginning, like you guys are kind of the bookends Mm -hmm. of the summer, the Mm -hmm. the Cancer and the Leo. And originally I'd been like, oh, we have to do sapphic 70s (gasps) for your birthday party and we're going to have the pool set up. And then it was like, no, because this is really our housewarming 
thing. Yeah. Ruby needs to be part of it and doesn't make sense. So like we got to have our sapphic mm-hmm. experience this summer mm-hmm. and now I'm I have in my back pocket the sapphic 70s party that yes. can one day happen. Yes. Maybe Next it'll be year. the theme for our wedding. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, exciting. I love that. Yeah. I'm sorry that Leo season has come to an end, but it was glorious and mm-hmm. it was glorious to celebrate you in all of your fabulousness. Thank you. And to all of the other Leos out there, we'll rain again next summer. <laughs> so today we have Ashley Manta, the canisexual. And Ashley is someone that we've known for a long, long time when she first was getting into her teaching career. I mm-hmm. I don't think I personally trained her at the Pleasure Chest, but she definitely went through our training program and has just blossomed into one of the leading sexuality educators in the space. She is award-winning. There was one year, I think, that she was named Sexpert of the Year. (laughs) And she's the author of The CBD Solution, Sex. And she's a certified body sex facilitator, which is Betty Dotson's modality. So I have some questions about that because I'm like, did you get trained before Betty passed? Like, have you actually gone through this training with Betty? And this is a kind of longstanding tradition from like the early days of feminism and, you know, involving vulva gazing. So I'm really curious about that. So we're going to talk to her about CBD. We're going to talk to her about stigma and shame and the path to sexual empowerment. I think she's going to have a lot to share on that. And one other thing that um, Ashley does is she works with Dr. Shannon Chavez, who we had on the podcast, I guess, a little over a month ago, and they Mm -hmm. do a pleasure camp together and they offer concierge coaching. So Ashley's a renaissance lady. Mm -hmm. So let's bring her on. Hello, Ashley. We're so excited to have you. Welcome. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. It's great to see you both. We're going to do some warm-up questions, but I actually want to know what brand of lipstick you're wearing right now. If you want to see these lips, go to our YouTube page, but your lips are blowing my mind right now. What brand is this? I need to know what's the reddest red I could possibly put on my face. The reddest red you can possibly put on is L'Oreal Super Matte Ink. All right. I'm writing that down. And I picked this one because it is largely kiss-proof and Mm. somewhat oral-proof. Wow. Wow. That says a lot. That says a lot. Okay. Your first actual warm-up question is, what are you loving to wear right now, clothing or otherwise? Honestly, I'm really obsessed with the outfit that I am wearing. I picked it specifically for this interview because this dress was actually a gift from Tristan Taramino, who is a dear friend. Mm Mm-hmm inspiration. So I was staying at her house and I had another content creation appointment. And I was like, Oh God, I don't know what I'm going to wear. And she was like, you know what? I have this dress in my closet that like doesn't fit me quite right. Do you want to try it? Mm -hmm. And I did. And then I went to the plus bus in LA and I found this bra and I texted her. I was like, can I wear this bra under the dress? And she's like, yes, you can. And here we are. (laughs) What you're wearing for the listeners. It's like a dark teal kind of lacy bra with deep V. (laughs) 
Yeah, deep V and a lush, dark animal print. Yes. Like a like a kind of tigery leopard print. It's it works for you. I can I Thank can see you. why you love it so much. Is it because of how it makes you feel? Is it because of your connection with Tristan or it's both of those things. It's also because I do not typically choose animal print for myself. Like mm-hmm. it's never really called to me. And so when I saw it on the rack, I was like, I don't know if that's going to work for me. And then I put it on. I was like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this. This is this is definitely like my late 30s era into um, moving into cougar phase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love it when you step outside of your boundaries and then you're like, maybe this is my thing. <laughs> you <Right>? know? <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Who is your first celebrity crush? My first celebrity crush was definitely Leonardo DiCaprio. <gasps> okay. Me too. Which oh one? Okay. <laughs> Juliet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Way yeah. Back. I think Titanic might have come before Romeo and Juliet. Am I incorrect hmm. about that? I think it was after. Okay, okay. He was a little bit more in his like skinny, druggy look Heroin in Romeo and, and Juliet. And I loved that movie too. I That's so funny. I didn't even think of that reference. But mine was Titanic. I think because of Kate Winslet. So I think that like the dynamic between them and it felt so kind of like butch femme before I even knew really what that (laughs) meant. But like, what was it for you about young Leonardo DiCaprio? He was just so charming and earnest. There was something about him in Romeo and Juliet, and I loved the the depiction of it in that Baz Luhrmann film. And it was kind of gritty, and it had John Leguizamo in it. And I loved his sort of teen angst passion that came through. I want to mark the occasion is the first time we've had a repeat of uh-huh. a first celebrity crush. Yep. And it's from our very first first celebrity crush, which was Sarah's. So Uh that's so interesting. So congratulations. This is a milestone in all of our lives. (laughs) It's an honor. (laughs) What was your first mode of masturbation? And how old were you? I was so young. I was like five. Mm -hmm. I was using my hands. I was a pillow humper for sure. But my dad, God bless him and his terrible boundaries. He likes to tell this story at Thanksgiving. Oh boy. (gasps) Apparently he walked in on me when I was somewhere around five or six in the bathtub with a turkey baster going to town. (gasps) Okay. Wait, with a turkey baster. So were you putting water in it and then... Well, like, oh, internally. You were five? Wow. I was really young. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that I had a vagina when I was five. Right? Like, I, I had no, I mean, I'm sure I had no conscious idea of what I was doing, but I was like, oh, this feels good. Yeah. And, and that happened. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of work to get the turkey baster from the kitchen into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot of intent. Well, I think they like gave it to me to play with, like among okay, other yeah, like yeah. things kind of floating in the tub. Uh, like, you know, parents okay, like okay, load okay. shit in there. Yes, yes, yes. So you were like, you were meant to play with it where you're like squeezing water right. in and out of it. And then you're like, oh, what does this feel like if I put it near my junk? And then, oh my goodness. Wow. I think that you've always obviously had a knack for picking toys though because that (laughs) turkey baster nozzle tip is actually not a bad because it tapers you know exactly and I think that tapering was probably keeping you pretty comfortable (laughs) 
<laughs> now, do you have any memory of your dad's reaction? Not in the moment, but I vividly remember him telling the story at Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, because I'm so curious how he handled that. Because that is, you know, especially in that time, right? Yeah. Like, there, I'm sure there were sex positive parents when we were growing up, but it's, you know, I think becoming a little bit more common. And I just can't imagine what must have been. Hopefully he was like, oh, yeah, of course she's exploring her body. That's not a problem. I had very masturbation friendly parents. Like I will say that for them. They I don't remember there being shame around it other than like making fun of me for it. But like I the way he tells the story is he walked in, saw what I was doing and was like, "Whoa, got to go." And like turned right around and left to kind of let me continue. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting he recognized you were having private time. Yes. And then I have a similar kind of family, and maybe this is part of what leads us into pleasure education industries or adult toy industries, is that my parents had poor boundaries around talking about sex. So I'm actually, I'm really comfortable talking, but I still... I actually have stronger boundaries with my parents now where I'm like, I'm really good at talking about things that you're not supposed to talk about because of their bad boundaries. But I'm also like, dad, you can't keep sharing stuff with me. You know what I mean? It's yes, like, I, I and do. I'm not taking you to the pleasure chest. You go on your own journey, you know? <laughs> my dad is so supportive now of what I do, but he's mm-hmm. maybe like a little bit too supportive where he'll yep. wear my She Vibe cover shirt like out <laughs> to the grocery store <laughs> and he will go up to yep. random women yep. and be like, did you know that the clitoris has legs? Oh, <laughs> and dear. And I'm like, dad. Dad. Love the enthusiasm. Right. Maybe that's not how we approach strangers and before yep. you like give them my business card. Like that's Oh my goodness. That is hysterical. <laughs> like what an interesting like cheerleader to have. Mm-hmm. So I think people probably know you most for your work with sex and cannabis, your brand Canisexual. And we're definitely going to talk about it. So anyone who's listening who wants to like know all about, you know, the benefits of CBD and THC on sex, we're going to get there. But I am particularly curious about a moment that it seems like you're having. And this is from like... Knowing you, but also, you know, following you on social media, like it really feels like you are having a confidence and empowerment moment. And it's coming out in not only your like personal expression, but also in the work that you're doing. And I just, what are you, what's happening? Are you experiencing a sexual awakening right now? Is this just like a natural evolution of like the training and the work that you've done? Like what is happening in the world of Ashley Manta? So... I loved that you said that when we met at Anne Me last month, because I it wasn't something I was consciously aware of. So to have someone else perceive it and reflect mm-hmm. it back, like felt very unexpectedly validating. I was like, oh, mm. good, because it's it's not something that I've been really consciously focusing on, especially not like trying to put it out in the world in a specific way. But I think a couple of things have changed in the last year and a half that have impacted where I am now. One is that my best friend died last February. Oh, yeah, that was really hard. She was 36. She had ovarian Mm. cancer and we had been best friends since college and it was just brutal. It wrecked me. 
as as a a close death does. But it also left me feeling like I really wanted to live my life while Mm. I had the time to live Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And so as I was navigating the grief process, as I was, you know, feeling all the feelings, I was extracting myself. And this is kind of the second piece, extracting myself from a very toxic, emotionally abusive relationship that I'd been in for the better Mm -hmm. part of the last seven years. And getting free of that, I think, made a huge difference yeah. in in how I saw myself, in my self worth, in my confidence, and because I, I looked at videos of me, like when we would go to couples therapy, we'd record our video sessions, and oh wow, I was like dead inside. There was no light in my eyes. I wow. was such a shell mm-hmm. of a person because of like feeling so worthless and feeling so kind of beaten mm-hmm. down by all the bullshit mm-hmm. that now being free of that has been like a weight off my shoulders. And the third piece, I think, and I've been kind of coming to this in the last month and a half since I've been here is I left LA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had lived in LA for the last 10 years and I don't know if you've ever been to LA, if you're watching or listening to this, but it's like not okay to be over like 110 pounds if you Mm. live in the greater Los Angeles area. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much body shame there and moving up to the central coast has really made me feel more comfortable with my body again. Cause like I I have battled at various points of like, I like my body. I don't like my body, you know, but it was so much the the superficiality and the judgment was so oppressive in yeah, LA. So much that, noise, yeah. Yes, yeah. and now that I'm here, I'm like, oh my god, fat bodies exist in the wild. What a concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting that you recorded your therapy sessions oh because I was in couples therapy at the end of my marriage and I can like put myself back into that place and kind of feel it in my body but I don't know what it would be like to actually just like sort of see the physical manifestation of like what was happening at that time and it was so he- like there was just such a heaviness kind of over mm-hmm. everything in my life of like battling to try to make this thing work that was no longer working and that was clearly like toxic for both of us, you know? Yeah. It's like the emotional weight yeah. that you carry is so heavy. And I think, you know, for some people, it like absolutely makes sense to like continue that battle, fight through it, mm-hmm. get out on the other side. Yeah. Like, as you said that you were like dead in your eyes, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can so relate to how that feels. Yeah. I mean, that's dissociation. It was totally right. dissociation. Yeah. Looking back. You can't cope after a certain point. You have to check out I mean, that's what I do anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like there was this like dissonance happening in my life. And I'm sure the same is true for you where you are supporting other people in their sexual journey, which then translates, you know, when you're working with folks one on one, which at the time I had the opportunity to do a lot more with the like pleasure chest platform, and they're coming to you and sharing their, you know, mental health issues, their relationship issues, because ultimately, like our sexuality is connected to all of these things things. And you're like, you know, channeling and like embodying like all the openness that you need to be able to do that work. And then you're like going home into this like tight kind of cocoon and just gritting and burying it. And Mm -hmm. it's, there's a, 
it's a hard balance. I think actually doing this work makes it really hard to stay in those situations. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. And you have it spot on with the cognitive dissonance because, you know, being this like vivacious, pleasure focused, like the canisexual out in the world and then coming back to a relationship where like I felt like I constantly had to apologize for taking up space. Yes. Yeah. We have to be small. Gross. It was so bad. Yeah. I mean, I want to make that that call out to like anyone who is in a relationship. Like, if you feel small in your relationship, if your relationship makes you feel like you have to dull your light yes. to make another person feel comfortable, that is the time to ask yourself some questions. Yeah. Like real hard ones. I'm going through this process that you guys have both been through. I don't know if my process will result in breaking apart in my relationship, but I have moved into the back house that used to be my mother's house. And it took so little for me to move out of my house. I moved my closet and I moved my bathroom stuff. And then I had like one or two other things. I didn't realize how small I was making myself, but I was living in somebody else's house basically. And now I'm trying to live in my own house. And it's a big metaphor for my body and my mind as well. So I'm really glad you're in that spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just had such a moment, guys. <laughs> I'm like heart. My heart is touching your hearts through Zoom right I now. I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> I like goosebumps. When I was doing some research on you, I found this gem <laughs> on your website Ooh. that I was like, oh my gosh, this like is so speaking to me that you have a blog post. Yes about discovering because you were doing some work around like wanting to help people not abandon themselves Mm. but framing it in a negative is sort of counteractive if you're a real nerdy about language you know you want to find the affirmative Mm. uh, statement and so when you looked up the word abandon and abandonment the antonym is to claim I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Isn't that the issue? Because I mean, I have like some serious abandonment issues. And to hear like what I wanted from that relationship as a child was to be wholeheartedly claimed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now that we're adults, we have the like shitty job of having a self parent. We don't have the caregiver who's going to do it for us. You have to claim yourself. Yes. (laughs) And that's what we were just talking about. Exactly. That sort of became the secret sauce as I Mm. uncovered a couple more layers. I was like, oh, I want to be claimed. I used to always say, I wish someone would just claim me. You know, I'm a submissive. I want a dominant to like take ownership of me so that I feel safe, so that I feel held and treasured. And and then it dawned on me like, oh, no, pumpkin. Like, (laughs) you got to claim yourself Mm because you are literally the only one who can. Mm -hmm. that you can rely on, that you know will never abandon you, that Mm -hmm. will never destroy you, that will never cheat on you or, or, you know, all of those things, all those things that I always wished that someone would give me, I have to give to myself first. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, how does this show up in the work that you do with clients? Like, you know, you do coaching, mm-hmm. you are an educator, 
How do you work with people around this concept of claiming oneself? Yeah. It's hard. It, it's one of the like core wounds for so many people mm-hmm. that I see it all the time in my coaching practice, which is good because I've kind of developed a language around how to explain what to do. Because typically what I see is someone will come to me, I work with a lot of women and femmes, and they will say, I'm feeling really insecure in my relationship. I'm worried that my partner is going to leave me. I'm worried that they're not attracted to me. I'm worried that, you know, all of these kind of projections of, of them somehow abandoning or, or putting distance between them. And I will hold space for that and validate like, yeah, I get that that's really scary. And there's nothing that they can do that is going to reassure you that that's not going to happen. Because at the end of the day, they could get hit by a bus tomorrow and that would suck real bad. But you just never have that assurance. I told them and I tell them again and again, and I like you have to look in your in the mirror, in your eyes and remind yourself of this, that no matter what happens, you've got you. And that's where the safety is. The safety can never come from the other person. It has to come from you knowing that you'll be okay no matter what. Like the call needs to come from inside the house. You it know? does. It's an inside <laughs> job. It's an inside job. In my therapy process, as I was going through my divorce, this was coming up a lot in therapy for me, where I just was like working a pretty big job, transitioning to being a single parent. There was like a lot on my plate, basically. (laughs) It was all shitty. And I just kept feeling over like, where's my night that's just gonna come and like, sweep me up Mm. and just take care of this for me. And like my therapist was doing a lot of like, I hate to tell you, (laughs) but it's you. (laughs) That's so much work. And I'm trying to think of like how I started actually feeling that in my body. Like I can't remember like what exactly I was doing. Do you have something like an exercise or a practice or anything that people can do that gets them to like, because for me, I remember that feeling really overwhelming at first that like I had to getting over the hump of like, it's you. Like Mm -hmm. looking in the mirror. And I think actually that's probably the first time I did that eye gazing Mm. exercise with myself. And it made me really uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. It's confronting as hell. Yeah. That that we are that uncomfortable with ourselves. And how much conditioning it took to get us uncomfortable with ourselves. So it's it's a really deconditioning, deprogramming process we're while going through. So, but yeah, what do what do you recommend for people to do this. So I have a two-part exercise and the first part is really hard and then the second part is a little bit of an easier somatic practice that'll still probably bring some emotions up but the first one is oof. So the first thing that you have to do is grieve the death of the fantasy that someone's going to save you. Good point. (laughs) And protect you and keep you because it's such a seductive narrative, right? Like mm-hmm. this, you just find the right person and they say all the things that they have to say to let you know that you're safe and worthy and valuable and, and they'll never hurt you and never betray you. And gosh, wouldn't that be amazing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is a certain amount of grief that comes from realizing that like that's a fantasy that's never really going to manifest that you are that person. Um, mm-hmm. There's a line in Frozen 2, I am the one I've been waiting for all of my yes. life. Like, yes. that's, that's Finally, someone quotes Frozen 2, I've been waiting. 
You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) The first time I heard that song, it made me cry. I was like, fuck, yep, that's the thing. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So that's the first part of the exercise. And this is something that you do kind of repeatedly. The first part drops away after a while. But the second part I do all the time, especially when I'm feeling anxious, because the abandonment wounding tends to trigger my anxiety. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it, it somehow morphs into like, I'm going to die alone and unwanted. Oh, right. I'm so, I'm, that's where I am right now. Oh, I no. am there. I am th- like, I have like, anytime I have psilocybin, mm-hmm. it like comes, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I know that the medicine is telling me something. I hear you, but it's like, it comes up real. I have these deep feelings of fear that I am going to die destitute and alone and in a lot of pain, like emotional and physical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What the hell? (laughs) It's a valid fear. It's so much fear. It's it's mm-hmm. so much like societal programming because that would be the worst thing ever, right? Like to to die alone and destitute and in pain. And you know, my philosophy degree just piped up and was like, well, technically, we all die alone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be, I'll be like, I was born alone and I'll die alone. Right. <laughs> but in a way, it's true because no one else is existing as you. Only you exactly. know, and that shit gets my head spinning sometimes where it's like as badly as I want validation from others or that I want others to fix me or to be my companion or to help me through all of the hard shit like destitution or dying or being alone. Like you have to do it yourself. That's like the rub of it, you know, it is. Okay. So what's my, uh, what's my daily practice I need to do? So the daily practice is you get somewhere comfortable. I like to do it lying down. Cause I find that's easiest to be like really attentive to my body. You mm-hmm. take some nice deep breaths. I like the four, seven, eight breath. So it's inhale for four seconds, hold for seven seconds, exhale for eight seconds. Okay. I do a few rounds of that. And then I start at my feet and I clench my toes really hard. And as I'm clenching them, I say, these are my toes. Mm. And then I release. And then I clench my feet and I say, these are my feet. And then I release. And then I clench my calves and I say, these are my calves. And I work my way up my whole body, claiming, literally claiming each part of my body and feeling Mm. it as I do. And by the time I get to my head, I am in a completely calm, sublime, comfortable place. Wow. Mm, Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, I'm going to give it a try. I have some homework. You have some homework. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Okay, I want to talk about cannabis. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, do that. I need to know about all all the cannabis stuff. Yes. I recently was, I can't remember what I was listening to, but the founder of Lioness was on. Yes. They have the biofeedback toy that you can like enter information into and then it you can learn about your orgasms yes. and I don't know how they manage the privacy part of it, but they also collect data from users of the toy. So they've been able to collate all this information and see like, you know, how do different things affect orgasm patterns like mm-hmm. physiologically yes. which is so cool so it's measuring like pulsate pelvic like, floor contractions okay yeah. yeah and the only thing that they have identified in their research that changes your orgasm is 
cannabis and then it can take you from being you know like having a whatever your regular orgasm pattern is to being multi-orgasmic that like it elongates the orgasms you can have them in succession it kind of like basically like stretches the chart the peaks and the valleys are higher longer all these things and i was like wait what (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i i i I would say that from my own research. 10 confirm. (laughs) Give us your elevator pitch on cannabis. How does it improve sex? So I love the lioness work that they've done. They did a study with Ease, which is a cannabis uh, distribution Uh, company. That's right. And I actually cited their research in my book when I was writing it back in 2019. And so I got to kind of get a sneak peek at the research, which was really cool. Tell us the title of your book. (laughs) Okay. My book is called The CBD Solution Sex. Wow. Uh, And it was published in conjunction with Mary Jane, which is Snoop Dogg's media company. I love it. (laughs) He is one of two celebrities that I've ever had dreams of having sex with. Nice. Who's the other? Girl, it was Tom Hanks. Okay, so none of it makes any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But he gave me the best oral sex that I've ever had. I woke up from an orgasm from Tom Hanks eating my pussy. It's the only time I've ever come in my dreams. Snoop Dogg did not make me come, but Tom Hanks did. I have never found that man attractive, but he can eat pussy. I'll tell you what. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Tom Hanks, for your good work in the world. Thank you, Tom. That was a nice little visit you made in my dreams. Um, But sorry, I digress. I digress. Okay. So the study was really interesting. And I'm going to give you a little bit of how I got to sex and cannabis because Mm -hmm. that becomes very relevant. I am a trauma survivor and I always had pain with penetration. Mm. And so back in like 2014, right after I had moved to LA, I found this company that was making THC infused oil that was meant to go on the vulva 20, 25 minutes before sexy fun times. And was originally designed for folks who were in perimenopause, who were having like Mm -hmm. discomfort and atrophy and sensitivity loss and things like that. And so I put it on me you know, waited the appropriate time, masturbated, and was able to have penetrative sex without pain for the first time Mm -hmm. since my teenage years. Mind blown. And I sort of did a quick survey of the sex ed professional world. And I'm like, there's nobody talking about sex and cannabis right now. Like, not really. There were, you know, a couple Mm -hmm. High Times articles here and there, but it was all very kind of Cosmo-y, like, which strain's going to get you the most stoned for sex? I'm like, this can't be the way. Well, and this is pre-legalization as well, right? This was pre-legalization. Everything was medical back then. And I had a medical card, so that was handy. As we all did. As we all did. I mean, that was part of the reason (laughs) I moved to California from Pennsylvania, which up until very recently was a prohibition state. So I realized that there was something to this concept of using cannabis to make sex more pleasurable and more enjoyable. And in addition to eliminating the pain that I was feeling, it did change my orgasms. I was typically like a one to two orgasm person. Like my clit kind of spit out one or two and then it was like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, (laughs) you're done now. (laughs) And they were very quick, like peak, boom, you're done. And using this THC infused oil, all of a sudden it was a longer climb. And Mm -hmm. then I stayed in the peak for a few seconds longer than I normally did. And then the cascade down was much more gradual rather than this kind of like sharp peak, sharp decline. Mm -hmm. 
And I could do it four, five, six times. And I'm like, okay, there is something to this. And that was just from topicals, not from smoking, not from edibles. And so as I kind of dove deeper into the research and how other people experience it, it's very subjective. And, And that's the thing that the limited research that we have tells us. Like, Some people love edibles and Mm -hmm. find it very pleasurable. Some people need to smoke. Some people do not want to be high at all. And they just Mm want to do topicals. And that's okay, too. And so what it's really doing when you're feeling the intoxication, a lot of times it's kind of getting you out of your head and into your body. So you can quiet down all that noise that's distracting you. Mm -hmm. And then when it's topical, when you're actually applying it, you know, whether you're using suppositories or oil that's right on your clit and vaginal opening, THC is a vasodilator. So it's bringing more blood flow to the area, which is going Mm. to mimic the physiological markers of arousal and sensitize and also like decrease painful sensations while increasing access to pleasurable sensations because it's hard to feel pleasure when you're in pain. I have a quick side question. Do you know how topicals behave on penises? Like can penis owners also benefit from topicals? It seems like the effects are severely diminished with penises. Do you think it's a mucous membrane thing? It's exactly a mucous membrane thing. So I would suspect that if you had someone who was intact and had foreskin, if you were to Mm -hmm. dump some oil into the foreskin and hold Mm -hmm. it there like a little like pouch for 20 minutes, that Mm. might do something. Yeah. But for the most part, and I honestly, I kind of love this because I feel like people with penises sort of get everything in the world. (laughs) And so I'm like, you know, maybe this could be just ours. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What about butts? It is a game changer for butt play. I I actually have a workshop called How I Went from Anal Avoidant to Butt Slut Using Weed. Wow, that is a wonderful title. It was I a big that. jump. <laughs> yes. Suppositories totally changed the game because they relax yeah. the internal sphincter without numbing. <sighs> We know we never want to numb the ass. <laughs> Finally. Yes. Right. Oh, that's wonderful news. It's it's magical. It has made me so much more receptive to anal play. And it really made it possible for me. And then I figured out that I can squirt from anal, which was a <laughs> completely new experience. It was it was a lot of firsts. That uh, okay, night. wait, 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 wait. Okay, so you're squirting from anal with clitoral stimulation? Just from anal. And because you're using this suppository? That seemed to make a positive difference. Now, it could also have been the fact that I was on LSD, but who knows? <laughs> that maybe didn't tell. hurt either. But, <laughs> but still, it happened. That was a it real happened. thing that happened. Four times. Wow. Shut the door, Ashley. So where do we get these suppositories? <laughs> <laughs> where do I get this? Where do you um, get them? Because uh, the pot shops don't have them, do they? They do. Oh, I just, do. I'm not looking in the right section. I mean, they don't really advertise them because people don't think to come in and ask for them. If you live in California, there is a company that I really like that makes all different ratios of suppositories. The company is called Hello Again. They were also designed with perimenopausal folks in mind because THC, it turns out, is actually great for folks who are going through perimenopause for like <sighs> hot flashes and cramps and all of the misery that people endure. In fact, there's a, a couple quotes from me in Heather Corinna's book, What Fresh Hell Is This? Mm, great. So you can use the suppositories vaginally as well as anally. Correct. So they're not like made of oil or... They are made of oil. But I mean, it's not an oil that's going to like set off a bacteria or a yeast bomb in your Typically, vagina. 
probably not. If you're super sensitive to oil, maybe skip it. But usually they're made out of some kind of like cocoa butter, shea butter, coconut oil, some kind of jojoba oil I've seen or some mix thereof. You do, of course, have to be mindful of latex if that's a thing that you engage with. But they're great. And my favorite thing, honestly, because... I am a more is more person when it comes to topicals because they don't get you high, you can make them at home. And so if you were to get a gram of solventless, it has to be solventless. That's crucial. Solventless concentrates. So a rosin, let's say, or a hash of some sort, like a bubble hash. Mm-hmm. You can melt it into a cup of the you know carrier oil of your choice. I like coconut oil personally. And then they sell suppository molds on Amazon. And so I just sit there. It's like a meditation. I have like a hundred of these little shells and I got my little pipette and I'm like, shoop, shoop, shoop. And wow. I know that if I have one gram of concentrates that are, you know, let's say 89% THC, and I put it into eight ounces of oil, I can actually calculate, you know, based on how many I make, what the dosage is. Wow. I love this kitchen witchery. (laughs) I know. This is like kitchen sluts. This is so great. Does it matter if it's indica hybrid or the other one? Sativa. uh, Sativa or like what strain it is. Is there any difference? Because I don't want my asshole getting paranoid. Yeah, no, I hear you. (laughs) Good news is in the world that we now live in, indica sativa are entirely marketing terms. Like if you ask a grower, a real grower, like does it matter Mm -hmm. indica sativa in terms of predicting effects? You know, we hear indicas are sleepy and sativas are buzzy. And when I tell people this, they will argue with me. They're like, no, I know that sativas make me anxious. And I'm like, no, it's just whatever you happen to be smoking. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. because it's sativa. Sativa and indica refer to the way that the leaf is shaped. Sativa leaves are long and skinny. Indica leaves are short and bushy. And the shape of the leaf, according to research, uh, Dr. Ethan Russo, who is an MD, uh, he's a pharmacologist. He's like, there's no... There's no correlation. There is no way to accurately predict effects based on how the leaf is shaped. So that's one piece. And the other piece is everything is a hybrid these days. Like things are bred and back crossed and, 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 you know, so many different ways of mixing genetics that there are no true indicas and sativas anymore, unless you like go over to where they were originally grown and pick it off a hill, you know, get some heritage weed. Yeah, they call them (laughs) land race strains. (laughs) Wow. So would you say then hybrid indica sativa is not a factor, but the strain could be a factor, you know, so like, I like sour diesel on my ass for example. Doubtful. And here's why. Um, One is that the strain, especially strain names, a lot of times don't necessarily correlate to specific genetics because there's a lot of different growers growing a lot of different plants with the same strain name. And sometimes dispensaries, if they have a strain that's not really moving, they will rename it a strain that is a mover. Like nobody's Mm. ever heard of, you know, green bottle rocket number five, but everybody knows what sour diesel is. So let's just slap that label on. It happened more in the unregulated market, but it still happens here and there. Right. There's no TM at the end of sour diesel. (laughs) The growing conditions really, really impact how the plant manifests the what we call the phenotypic expression if you want to get like nerdy about botany and I am not a grower so I'm speaking slightly outside my depth right now but like I understand the the large concepts which is basically how much sun it gets when you harvest it what kinds of nutrients you're using 
all of those things will impact the amount of THC, the amount of CBD and the different terpenes that become really present in the flower. Mm. Terpenes are the things that make plants smell good. So like pinene mm. is in pine needles, limonene is in lemon and, and citrus fruits, uh, linalool is in lavender. These all show up in cannabis as well. And the different terpenes, you know, much like aromatherapy tend to shift effects more than indica sativa or the name of the, you know, the genetics. But the other piece, the other other piece is it's entirely dependent on you. So like, right. you love sour diesel. I get panic attacks when I smoke sour diesel. Okay. And so I know that if it smells like a diesel, that's not going to work for me. And so I, I will put that one down and pick something else up. So there is sort of a, a research and data gathering process that you have to undergo when you're figuring out what works for you sexually. This has been my problem because Mm -hmm. it's like the research that you have to go through to kind of find the thing that works for you, at least for me, has been like the journey is too hard because it just all of it gets me in my head and makes me anxious. So Mm -hmm. this idea of suppositories is very exciting to me Mm -hmm. because when I was younger, I had a really great relationship with cannabis. And now that it's gotten to be such an industry that it is now, I'm just like, I'm intimidated by it. It scares me. But I love this idea that you can use something topically and internally that will give you the benefits either anally or vaginally. What about some of the topicals? Because you know people are going to try it. You've got to, you know, I'll use an example of what we use here at my house when we have like body aches is the Papa's and Barkley. Is that what it's called? Their THC rub is Mm -hmm. the one to three or the three to one. It is fantastic. So if someone just has something laying around the house, can they use it? on their sensitive bits and it will have a similar effect or would you caution against that? Yeah. Sarah's asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> the friend is me. Um, so the caveat that I will give is if you are sensitive, if you don't like additional sensations, because the thing about the Papa and Barkley balm, which I love and I'm obsessed with and I absolutely use for sex is it has other things in it. It has some tea tree oil. It has some lavender. It has some like tingly bits. If you don't like your bits to tingle, you don't mm-hmm. want to use that one. If you like that, it feels amazing. I I have a feeling we'll get into this later, but I've been on a masturbation kick like extra the last couple months. And I've been using that as my like thing to elongate my my playtime because it keeps my clit feeling amazing and I kind of like the tingle it's it's refreshing if you don't want that sensation you could literally just go to a dispensary and pick up any oil-based tincture and use that. That doesn't have like no flavors. You don't want sugar. You don't want any of those kinds of things. But as long as the only ingredients are oil and weed, you can for sure put that on your bits. Oh, so interesting. Okay. So now I do want to hear about your masturbation routine because uh, (laughs) I have, you have been trained in Betty Dotson's practice, body sex. Were you actually trained by Betty Dotson? I was actually privileged enough to be trained by Betty. You went straight to the source. That's amazing. Wow. What was that like? What is body sex? Okay. Body sex is a modality that Betty Dodson created back in the 
early 70s. It grew out of the consciousness raising circles that were happening in the feminist world back then. You know, Gloria Steinem doing these circles where women would come and share. And but it was all, you know, politics. It was how we are in society. It was work. It was equity, which is super important. But, you know, Mm -hmm. Betty comes along, who is this self-identified pervert (laughs) and was like, yeah, okay, cool. But what about our bodies? Like she was going to these sex parties in the sixties and watching women at these parties, fake orgasms. And she's like, well, this is bullshit. Right. So she came up with the idea to do these circles where women would come, they would strip down completely naked. They would sit in a circle with one another and talk about their relationship with their body, their relationship with their orgasm and share in first person what their experiences were to normalize that we all have very different experiences, but we all have very similar experiences for a lot of us. And then you would look at your vulva in a mirror with a light and and Betty would sit next to you and, and point out all of the sort of architectural features of your pussy. Uh, she was also a classically trained artist. So she would design these kind of overall concepts of what pussies are shaped like. So she had the the Baroque pussy, the, the Renaissance <laughs> pussy, the modern pussy. <laughs> I love it so much. Goals, right? It's and what a she dream. would tell you all about your pussy. And so... I knew who Betty Dodson was when I was a little baby sex educator and, and my eyes were all wide. And Carlin Ross, who is her protege and now runs the Betty Dodson Foundation, was with Betty at this conference that I went to back in 2014. And I got to meet her and I bought her a drink. I was like, Betty, can I please buy you a drink? She's like, fuck yeah, you can. <laughs> She's probably in her 80s at this point. Yeah. I bought her a drink and I told her what an inspiration she was and that like I have herpes and and you know I come out about having herpes publicly and and she looks at me and she's like I have herpes too and I was like really (laughs) besties forever high fived (laughs) oh and I have a her she signed one of my books happy herpes Oh, that's so sweet. So I kind of somehow got on Carlin's radar and she was kind of aware of me coming up in the sex and cannabis space and would like like my posts and and shared one of my posts on Betty's blog. And I was like, this is so cool. I reached out and I interviewed Betty for Dope Magazine and I got to publish Betty's sketches in a cannabis magazine. And that was like mind blowing. And so back in 2019, Carlin reached out to me. I had just gone to my first body sex circle in LA that past fall, not with Betty, uh, with one of her facilitators, this wonderful woman named Katrina Murray. And Carlin was like, hey, Betty's doing a 90th birthday celebration (sighs) in upstate New York. Body sex facilitators from all over the world are coming. Barb Corellis is coming and is going to speak. And we want you to come speak about sex and cannabis at Betty's birthday retreat. Wow. Wow, And my jaw hit the floor. I was like... (laughs) are you serious right now? And Carlin was so great. She was like, we're going to fly you in. You're going to stay at Betty's apartment. And like, we're all going to drive up together. Like she got me there. Wow. And so I got to stay in, in her famous apartment in Manhattan on Madison Ave and sit in the room where, where she had done it. <laughs> you were brought into the fold, into the sisterhood. Oh wow. my God. It was That's so cool. 
it was mind blowing. And so I, I went to this retreat and, and we did a sweat lodge, which was really cool. Like as a celebration, Betty couldn't participate because she was 90, but yeah. she sat outside naked, like on the stump, like just cheering us on. And, and I did my presentation. And afterwards I have this on video. She came up and she hugged me and she whispered in my ear. She said, you're the real deal kid. And I <gasps> fucking lost it. Oh my God. I lost it. That's so great. And Ugh. Carlin was like, we want you to do body sex. Like Betty loves what you're about. She wants you to be one of the people that's like carrying on the tradition. So you're going to be a body sex facilitator if you want to be. And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. And so what does that mean? If people want to get into body sex and yeah. do this practice, what is it? How do they do it? What do you, what is a body sex facilitator? So I am certified. I, you know, went through the training process, watching Betty's videos, reading her books, like studying how she conducts the process. So I can hold space for either a group of vulva owners to do this experience, um, or I can do it one-on-one. Sorry, the experience is sitting together and sitting doing... together. Oh, God, I got it. That is the body sex. Yeah, body sex is the circle. Do you do like group masturbations? You do. So one of the pieces is what she calls erotic recess, and everyone gets <laughs> a Hitachi, and after she teaches her <laughs> very famous rock and roll technique of how to use a vibrator, which totally redefined my relationship with a Hitachi, I always like just jammed it on my clit, and I was like, this is too strong for me. I don't like it. And she's like, yeah, okay, cool. So how about you lie on your back and you hump into it? Like you kind of put it on your <gasps> pubic mound and rock your clit into it instead of just jamming it. Change the game. Sarah, we have so much homework now. <laughs> <laughs> so much homework. You are not going to get a Hitachi on my clit ever. <laughs> or, all right, we're but talking is, about your that, pubic mound. But that is how I use my vibrator is I will start it on my pubic mound mm-hmm. and kind of like gradually like work it down the vulva and then really only it's if like at the moment that I want to climax, does that thing ever make it onto my clit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Betty was very pro cannabis. Like I, we had had lengthy talks. I, I got her so stoned at her 90th birthday retreat. Uh. Thank you. That's so nice. So much fun. I actually, I have a picture that lives on my desk. I don't know if you'll be able to see it in the, but it's it's me lighting a joint for Betty. We had so much fun together. We, I listened to her stories. I I wrote down her quotes. I was just like absorbed as much as I could from her because she was so brilliant. She did pass away um, Mm -hmm. in October of 2020 on Halloween, like a fucking badass. And so the experience of going through a body sex session is you're deprogramming the shame around your genitals. Like why would someone sign up for this? And what is the experience that you get out of it? You are absolutely deprogramming the shame. We have so much cultural baggage about what they Mm -hmm. look like, what they smell like, how big or small our lips are, how they're shaped how big or small mm-hmm. our clit is it's symmetry uh, the symmetry of our, our lips hair yeah hair oh my god hair to have someone who is not your romantic partner or medical provider look at your vulva mm-hmm. and tell you about it like that's part of what I do is is I describe it to you I describe to you what I see I love the way the color kind of gradiates from like a, a dusty rose to like a baby pink and I think it's so interesting the way that your lips like hang like these gorgeous velvet curtains and or like a taffeta ball gown and and I use these kind of creative (laughs) metaphors to get you out of the idea that it has to be just like straight sexy 
And so you unlearn a lot of pussy shame. You learn that your pleasure is your birthright and that it's also your responsibility, that no one's going to come in and give you orgasms. Your job, your job is to find as much pleasure as you can and, and to advocate for your pleasure and that your pleasure matters and that it will make you a better person to have a firm command of your pleasure and your body mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. feel that confidence really stemming literally from your core. Wow. I'm feeling the theme here, which is ownership, claiming, mm-hmm. and like as a path to healing and empowerment. And I love that so much. It's a very, very powerful space. I'm grateful to get to hold it. And and I've sort of transitioned that because I started this during the pandemic of doing online circles. I call it activating your cosmic pussy. And it's like sex magic and it's body sex and it's plant medicine and it's connecting with each other. And we do a vulva gazing virtual vulva gazing. (laughs) It's it's transformative. It's really amazing to see how these women come together and feel like they've known each other for years after only a few weeks. Yeah. Amazing. So where can people find you, Ashley? Well, you can find me on my website, ashleymanta.com or canasexual.com. It takes you to the same place. I have online courses that are self-paced that you can find at elevatedintimacy.com. I'm on Instagram pretty much constantly. Uh, and I'm at canasexual <laughs> on Instagram. And I do coaching. I work with individuals and couples. And then I also work with uh, Dr. Shannon Chavez. And we do Love what we're her. calling concierge coaching. So for really high achieving individuals who don't have time for weekly coaching sessions who want to do a deep dive, they can hire us for a day or a weekend or a whole week. And and basically, you just kind of bring us to wherever you are. Maybe you're in Bali, maybe you're in Hawaii. And and we do really intensive work with those folks uh, to just transform whatever it is that they really are ready to release and to bring in. Amazing. Good work. Good work you're doing. It's an honor. (laughs) Well, it's an honor to have you. Yes. And thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you. I've learned a lot. I thought I knew a lot about weed. You're weed and an orgasm smart person. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm like, she's weed smart. Hey, so Sarah, that was such a fun conversation. You have any takeaways? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We went longer than we usually, like there was just so much to talk to Ashley about. Like it could have just gone on forever. I felt like in my mind, I had that thing like when there's a panel after a movie or something and they have the mic for the questions and there's all these people lined up. That's what it was in my mind that I was like, okay, next question. Yeah. Uh, what is the base of these suppositories? Okay, next question. <laughs> like, yeah. I wanted to know yeah. so many facts. I'm like, lay it on me, weed professor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The I mean, all the cannabis stuff was really helpful. For, you know, I have such a fraught. Well, it's not even fraught. That's a that's overstating it. But I have so many lovers of cannabis in my life, mm-hmm. and I just am not someone who's been found any kind of way to incorporate it into my adult life really and like have a little bit of like a calling towards it because I Mm -hmm. actually think that that kind of relaxation I'm so controlling (laughs) that it would be good for me to find some ways 
to quiet some of those things. Cannabis just doesn't happen to be the thing. It kind of turns up the volume for you, right? It gets me really in my head. It gets, yeah. like, and I, I get anxious and I say negative things and I, I get really shut down. So like if I'm with people, mm-hmm. I get really quiet and there's like this weird, like vastness that lives inside my head, which sometimes mm-hmm. I think of as being kind of a Pisces. Like in all the negative memes about Pisces. Mm-hmm. That's you like on that's, weed. That's me on weed. <laughs> yeah. But like probably it's that I have to get a little bit more comfortable about the vastness within. But it's almost like this thing I don't really want to show to people. Or it's when I feel sucked into it, yeah. it's not a space where I can be social. And cannabis gets me so deep into it. And then I'm saying things like in my more frontal part of my brain about how like, but I should be here and engaging with people. And there's a weird world that I want to go to. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think there's some shadow work there? Maybe, but I have found that like... There's other ways to do the shadow work that isn't like in an altered state. Oh, I mean, in that maybe some shadow work would make your weed experiences a little less anxiety. But I ultimately, my actual thought on this, my real question would be more about what what we were talking about last or a couple weeks ago about like just the chemistry. It just might not be a chemistry thing for you. For me, weed chemically aligns in a lot of ways, sometimes too well. And actually, since I've gotten my chemistry good with my medications, my compulsion with weed Uh has gone way down. And now I'm, I'm back in that spot where I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Rather than like, I got to smoke to be normal, or I can't deal with my life unless I smoke. And so but so much of it's chemistry. Ashley was talking about that, you know, we can talk about the strains and the indicas and hybrids. And if that even exists, are you getting sour diesel? Who knows? And there's all this experimentation to it, because the strains don't matter. Mm -hmm. If you're chemically not aligned with it. You know, smoking weed does not affect people all similarly. I've heard wildly different stories. And even in my own experience, I've had times where it's like I'm super anxious and socially awkward and other times where I'm like, oh, I'm glad I smoked that weed before I hit the stage or I don't think I would have been able to do that. You know, it's like radically different. And over time, the way my body processes it has changed. Or I know people that used to be stoners in their 20s and now they can't smoke or they'll get a panic attack in their 40s. Yes. It me. Yeah, but I am really excited. I really want to try suppositories. I've been having a craving lately of something that is deeper and more expansive around like the orgasmic journey because, um, you know, the way that my life is now is it's just structured in a way where I don't have as much sex as I want to have. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, want these deeper journeys. And it's not necessarily that my body can't do that. It absolutely can. Like I've really cultivated that. And I feel like this might be another thing in that process that I could try. When she was describing the anal suppository effects, I was like, I've not tried it. And I don't think I'll ever have anal sex again without it. From just what she was describing, Uh I've used topical stuff. Like we sold something at the pleasure chest for a while. I tried it out. I did feel like I was like, my pussy 
obviously got high. Like it felt <laughs> like that buzzing, nice feeling that you usually get on your whole body, but yeah. it was on my pussy. And then I did experience like a longer kind of more drawn out orgasm and the whole process just took more time. And that was lovely. And I'm like, oh man, I know my ass would love that. I would love that. And I owe it to my ass for everything <laughs> I put it through. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about that. I'm also, when she was describing how to make them at home, Oh yeah, I saw you light up and I was like, <laughs> this... <laughs> This is something that Sarah could excel at. And I started in my mind thinking, I'm going to buy Sarah a bunch of interesting shaped molds that are still suppository easily. And yeah, could make some really good suppositories. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely was like, oh my goodness, you are tapping into all of the things I like to do in the kitchen. So I think I'm going to start out by getting a little bit of just an oil. Mm-hmm. and try it. Yeah. Gosh, we're going to have so much to be reporting back on. We've got a lot of homework this fall to work on. Let's report back on all of these things. Yeah, because I also want to do the body claiming thing. I think I would really benefit from that. I mean, that she does it every morning. How empowering, like to start your day in that way. It's like a great meditation of autonomy, you know? So I love that. Also, if any of you, dear listeners, do any of these homework assignments. We want to know about your eye gazing. We want to know about your acting like an animal on the ground. I want to know about claiming yourself. Yeah. Did you make some suppositories? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We can include your comments and criticisms or whatever you might have in our podcast. So please be in touch with us. There's just one last thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up around the body sex work. Yes. I have facilitated two hands-on workshops in in my day. And, you know, really like kind of special container in the woods, camping. It was a really unique opportunity that I got involved in when I was working at Babeland in my 20s. Oh, baby Sarah. (laughs) And I was teaching a lot at that time. Every single week I was teaching live and I was just like in the flow and then asked to do this hands-on G-Spot workshop as part of this big event. And I can attest to the power of getting in touch with your vulva in a community setting Mm-hmm. You know, if you can create a comfortable enough space for people to do that, the experience that I had as as a facilitator doing this was that there were some folks who came and participated who had never had orgasms. Wow. Yeah. And we were using mirrors, looking at our vulvas, and then I was able to guide them through touch to find their urethral sponge, Mm -hmm. to explore it. Everyone had kind of the option of like staying in the group or going out. So, you know, I was like trekking through the woods to find people and check (sighs) in with them and see how they were doing. And multiple people, I did this twice, had multiple people squirt for the first time by touching themselves, which is like to be able to get to the place to squirt is a mind body experience where you have to really let go of all the noise Mm -hmm. and 
also, you know, there are stimulation techniques that really help, but it is about trust and safety. And so I just, if you have any kind of inkling of curiosity Mm -hmm. around doing something, like being in touch with your body in this way, I can just speak to really the power of it because there just is nothing like having a guided experience that makes you feel so at home in your body mm-hmm. and working against all like I mean, we could do a whole episode on genital shame yes because <laughs> yes. i don't think we to. even realize the ways in which it impacts us like all yeah. like a lot of us even like the most sexually empowered yeah and what you're describing to be sexual in community in safety is not something hardly any of us get to experience. To be in community, sexual with yourself, having everybody accepting of your sexuality and that you have genitals and we're seeing them, they're beautiful, we love it. And then also to be in the woods. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Sounds yeah. like a spiritual experience. And I wonder also how that affected the group that you were with, like to be outside and kind of communal with nature and sexual. Well, that speaks totally to like the work of we've talked about Annie Sprinkle before yes. and that like the power of being with the goddess with Gaia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get real woo-woo about it. But there, there is something about when you can get into the outdoors, it's like, you know, Shannon Chavez saying like, sun your genitals. And I immediately mm-hmm. went and did it because uh-huh. it's, it's just, you are tapped into the God goddess that mm-hmm. is within you and around you. And I do think that it can can change the context and the dynamic in pretty powerful ways. I could use a little vulva gazing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, find Ashley, ashleymanta.com, find us at fuckyapod.com and sign up on our email list. You can email us, give us your fuck yes, tell us who you want to have on the podcast, fyapod at gmail.com. Follow us on socials at fuckyapod. TikTok, Instagram, Threads. And very soon, we're going to have all of the details for you of our live podcast taping on Thursday, September 28th. Mark your calendars. And we're going to share very soon uh, how you can attend that event. Definitely get on our email list if you want to make sure that you get the details. Yes. Uh, and that's at fuckyapod.com. Uh, so find us. We want to be found. We want yes. to engage with you. And this has been wonderful as always, Robin. Fuck yeah. Fuck Fuck Yeah Podcast is hosted and produced by Sarah Tom Chesson, hashtag my mom, and Robin Jennings.
Theme music is by She, Her, Sir. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, or share with a friend. You can get in touch by emailing us at fyapod at gmail.com or find us online at fuckyapod.com. Thanks for tuning in.